and welcome back to the Boundless Voices podcast. I am Nicole. And I'm Amber. And today we are going to be talking about Snowflower and the Secret Fan by Lisa C. Yay! Amber, do you want to read the synopsis on the back of this book for us sure so in 19th century china in a remote hunan county a girl named lily at the tender age of seven is paired with the lao tong or old same in an emotional match that will last a lifetime the lao tong snowflower introduces herself by sending lily a silk fan on which she has written a poem in nushu a unique language that Chinese women created in order to communicate in secret, away from the influence of men. As the years pass, Lily and Snowflower send messages on the fan and compose stories on handkerchiefs, reaching out of isolation to share their hopes, dreams, and accomplishments. They both endure the agony of footbinding and together reflect upon their arranged marriages, share loneliness, and the joys and tragedies of motherhood. The two find solace, developing a bond that keeps their spirits alive. But when a misunderstanding arises, their deep friendship suddenly threatens tear apart yeah so we read that book and hopefully you guys did too (laughs) so what's first on the list nicole so we first wanted to talk about some things that we liked about the book and i know that one thing that you mentioned was the focus on the yao ethnic group instead of the han people yeah because i feel like a lot of people don't even know that china has like a billion ethnic groups you know and like most of um like media is focused on like like just thinking about china as this one uniform identity when in reality it's like because it's so big there's so many different subcultures inside it and then there's also a lot of interesting things that comes with being like a minority in china like historically you know persecution which they kind of talk about a little which is kind of interesting I thought it was interesting that it focused on the Yao people as well. I think a big part of that, though, is like because of... I know Lisa C. wanted to talk about Nushu, which is the women's writing, which originated in Hunan's Jiangyong County and was used mostly by the Han, Yao, and Miao people who lived there. So I think that's kind of the reason for why there was like a focus on not the Han, but the yeah oh yeah no, yeah that makes sense i do agree with you though that like i feel like mostly when people think about china they like immediately think about the han people and don't like recognize all of the many different ethnic groups um we also really like that it felt like it was i i felt like i was learning a lot about new shu and foot binding because i think the women's writing was a big part of this story yeah and then another big thing that is kind of one of the main themes it took it takes a lot of reading into context and like understanding different shades of meaning to actually be able to read this form of writing because that also ended up being one of like the main problems it was kind of like the climax of the story was the misunderstanding between the main character lily and her friend snowflower yeah i thought i know lisa c like she compared nushu writing to texting and how like you mean in the footnotes yes because this wasn't in the actual like book Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she talked about it like in a interview or whatever and she would talk about how like and like similar to texting meanings are often like distorted and misunderstood because of just 
you know, yeah, like getting lost in translation. One of the things that like you and I both kind of noticed though is that while it felt like Lisa C's like main theme was this misunderstanding because the book is like written as pretty much as a letter from Lily to Snowflower after Snowflower has died kind of asking for Snowflower's forgiveness for this one misunderstanding between the two of them. And so throughout the book, it's kind of calling back to this one big misunderstanding between the two of them. But then, I don't know, the pacing, at least for me, it didn't feel like this misunderstanding was that climactic of like a a problem. Uh, Especially because like by the time that Snowflower dies, it's like they're like 40 or something. So it's like their relationship spanned like 30 years. But then this one time where they or there was like this miscommunication it like made this huge like rift in their relationship and it kind of makes me wonder if miscommunication is that big of like an issue for lisa c herself (laughs) to want to write this whole book about it yeah i don't know because for me it felt like the goal of the book should have been more about like educating the reader on new shoe and foot binding because it does talk a lot about that And also, like, Lisa C. herself went through all of this research and, like, actually, I think she visited the Mm -hmm. county in Hunan. I don't know. I felt like there should have been, like, I feel like what with the amount of things that Lisa C. was trying to, like, educate the reader about, it kind of took away from the story about these two friends who are having this miscommunication. Because also, the story, to me, feels kind of broken up by the two big historical moments mm-hmm. um which are the wh- what disease was it there's oh, like typhoid this, yeah so the typhoid outbreak and then the the taiping uh rebellion yeah the taiping rebellion yeah because she also put so much of a focus on how like the women's chambers were so separate from like the man's world but then like there's these only these two incidents where you see those worlds interact and i mean honestly like i have a hard time believing that men's problems never enter the women's chambers because you don't have to like look outside or like walk around to you know experience world changing events you know Mm. because no matter what like if there's like a war you know it's not like you're gonna sit quietly (laughs) and act like nothing's happening yeah (laughs) i also think like the story was kind of stifled because of the expectations of women at the time like how you said like they're expected to like stay in their own kind of realm like there was the men's realm and then the women's realm and because of how like stifling the women's realm is i mean like they're not allowed to go outside and they kind of only interact with the people in their own houses you know there there wasn't very many chances for our main characters who are both girls to have like meaningful interactions without those two um, big historical events the typhoid outbreak and Mm -hmm. then the typing rebellion but i don't know it felt like because the rebellion is kind of what finally gets the ball rolling on the whole like the rift between snowflower and lily in my opinion yeah because that's when she like lily actually gets to observe it right well that's when she her eyes are open to how bad snowflower's life is with her family but then even then it's like snowflower kind of just dismisses that like when they get back to their own homes after the rebellion or sorry Lily doesn't really acknowledge the fact that Snowflower is being abused by both her mother-in-law and her husband. Yeah, that's why it's like, even though I understand Lisa C's trying to rationalize Chinese perspective uh, at that time, but it's 
it's a little weird because with like modern values it's not really healthy to rationalize because it's borderline like romanticizing abuse a little bit yeah well i also feel like lisa c just in this book at least she just did a bad job at normalizing or not necessarily normalizing but like clarifying where these ideals and values came from yeah and like explaining the logic behind them because like in the author's note she does say in terms of like writing about foot binding she said i didn't want to put my contemporary western values on the practice rather i wanted to write about foot binding from the perspective of the women and girls who had grown up with it and i didn't feel like she was writing from that kind of perspective Mm -hmm. to me it felt like she was trying really hard to explain it to the reader one of the things that we noticed is that in comparison one thing that we thought she did a good job of like normalizing and explaining was the idea of zodiac animals and how a person's zodiac animal like affects their personality because from lily our main character's perspective she talks a lot about the people around her and how their zodiac animals traits come out at different times yeah and it was also fun to be like because like Nicole, you're a monkey, right? Yes. And I'm a rooster. Actually, no, it wasn't that fun. <laughs> like, the representation in the book for like rooster and monkey was kind of sad. Like, like Nicole got the abusive mom and I got the abusive husband, the snowflower. <laughs> so, I don't know, but it's like astrology. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, look at me. But I, yeah, I agree. Because maybe it's because we also kind of thought, like, the reason why we we thought it was done better was because Lisa C probably didn't feel like she needed to explain it as much as the other stuff because the idea of zodiac animals is like pretty well known yeah well because like to me I thought that the way that she wrote about foot binding was good because she was very thorough about like the process yeah and it it was pretty horrible Mm -hmm. but then she also it felt like she was over explaining it in trying to like make it it felt like like palatable to the reader almost well not even palatable just like because she was trying so hard to like explain the intentions behind it and like explain why on earth someone would ever do something like that to their own child she over explained it and then it felt like it wasn't coming from the perspective of someone who had actually grown up with it and been through it yeah but I don't know if there is, like, a good way to, like, write about this kind of thing, on the other hand. Because yeah. you do want, like, some explanation of, like, the reasons and the intentions behind it. But at the same time, it like, it is a horrible thing. And, like, yeah. why would you ever do that? I mean, like, personally, I find it, like, really interesting. Because, like, what I grasped from it was because women had, like, so little choices. One of the only things that they could control is their feet. I guess. And I thought that was interesting to see like what people do when they're like suppressed like the way that they were. But it's like, is it like showing versus telling, you know, a little bit? Mm, Yeah, a little bit. Like Like, you see that you can even like draw comparisons to like modern day, like, uh, like minority, like marginalized groups. Like, you know how there's, um, this might be a little bit of like a reach, but you know how there's like that stereotype with like women being like really sensitive and emotional and being like in that way different from men like there's there's many theories for like why that's the case but one of the theories is that it's actually a product of society suppression you know mm-hmm. the marginalization of like female voices it's like if you're suppressed in that way then like you'll do things that are desperate and irrational in order oh. to get your voice heard yeah 
So I felt like that was kind of like a comparison. Yeah, that's interesting mm. because something that kind of bothered me was that I, well, so I had like seen a recommendation of this book online and when I first heard about it, because it talked about, like, Nushu and the way that women's writing was, like, I guess, like, empowering or, like, a way for women to escape the patriarchy in this time, mm-hmm. I thought that it would be, like, a very, like, empowering book, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I thought that it really wasn't, it, it really didn't feel that empowering to me because... Yeah, like, Nushu is, like, the reason for, like, their friendship falling apart. It's not empowering them. It was, like, detrimental to them almost. And also because of how few choices they had outside of Nushu. Like, because at the end of the day, the book didn't really, like, counter any of the ideas that, like, all a woman could do was marry wealthy and, like, in order to live a good life. Yeah. And it's, like, it shows two women, one who married wealthy and one who married, like, the lowest of the low. Mm -hmm. And, like, they still both didn't really have much power in the end. Mm -hmm. They were kind of, like, the same still, Mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah, it really wasn't empowering. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think even the fact that the big conflict was only a misunderstanding was kind of, like, one of those tropes that just rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Because I feel like there's such a stereotype that women are, like, emotional and irrational, and therefore our problems come from not listening to each other very well. And because that was the climax, and, like, it didn't even feel like a climax, but because that kept being brought up Mm -hmm. as, like, the main conflict, it felt very, like, the opposite of empowering, almost, because there's such a focus on this one mistake. Yeah. I mean, I think it's... Like, when I'm trying to think of what she's trying to accomplish with this book, like, my first thoughts was, because in the footnotes that I read, she brought up, like, a lot of similarities between Nushu back then and texting nowadays. So I thought it was kind of, like, a commentary on, like, using old means of communication where it was ineffective with like ineffective modern means of communication but that's kind of weird too because like it isn't as though they are continually miscommunicating yeah like there's just this one instance of miscommunication that like ruins their relationship for the rest of the book and it comes at like the very very end of the book Mm -hmm. yeah i mean lisa c put so much of a focus on like that one misunderstanding that you discover at the end of the book but there was like so much other like problematic things along the way (laughs) yeah so we felt like this story this book had two goals and that the first was trying to tell a story about two friends and that the second was trying to guide the reader through a culture that they are unfamiliar with and i feel like because it was trying to do both at the same time it kind of failed to do both yeah because like when like the climax or like the main like inciting incident is something so small like a miscommunication mm-hmm. that just like tears a rift in like their friendship it kind of makes you like second guess whether their relationship was that strong to begin with yeah. like that's what i was kind of like thinking towards the end of the book where like lily was giving snowflower all this like terrible advice mm-hmm. <laughs> and like slandering her in front of like her whole town and stuff yeah so i it's kind of weird that on one hand it's like about miscommunication but then on the other it's about like these two friends who are just so close and so perfect for each other yeah and then even like with how lily deals with it after snowflower dies by trying to like make it up to her by doing all the stuff for snowflower's granddaughter granddaughter yeah Yeah. so it felt very superficial in that way that like oh now that you're 
dead and I feel bad. At least I can help your your grandchildren. And it's weird to me because I this is not the first book that I read by Lisa C. I read Shanghai Girls like a long time ago and I really enjoyed that book and I felt like it did a good job of explaining cultural differences. Yeah. Because also that book is talking about like it's it's set right after the rape of, or even during the rape of Nanking mm-hmm. and follows these two sisters as they immigrate to America. It's a lot more modern. It's a lot more modern, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that definitely made it easier. Mm-hmm. But also the relationship between the two girls is so much healthier. I mean, not even healthier. It's just it seems so much more believable. Oh, yeah. And it's like a lot more fleshed out than than this one yeah i mean you and i were talking about like snowflower doesn't really have (laughs) that much of a yeah she doesn't have very much personality other than to like push lily along this path of like character development maybe that's like partially because lisa c kind of chose to have their characters like based on their zodiac signs and so like snowflower was basically just horse and then she was like dead horse you know but they're both horses yeah exactly so it's kind of i don't know because i don't think like the zodiac thing is a good excuse for snowflower to not have very much personality and we were like we were talking about like we made this observation that you know there's always that like really bad trope of female characters only being there to oh, yeah. help male characters in their development which was also kind of weird in the way that Lisa C like writes about Lily the main character as if she's like a man yeah. a lot and describes Lily's relationship to Snowflower as that of a man yeah to like a to like a girl like a woman yeah i mean okay there's like this one quote yeah so at the end one of um one of snowflower's friends after snowflower dies one of snowflower's friends is um talking to lily and she says you had too much man thinking in you you loved her as a man would valuing her only for following men's rules so yeah i don't know like my main thoughts were that even like the way that Lisa C talks about it, like in her own interviews, it's like pretty heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Like heteronormative is like just like to be clear, it's taking like the stereotypical heterosexual relationship and like the typical roles of like a woman and man. Yeah, and kind of forcing that onto them. Yeah, because when she talked about it, like the relationship between Snowflower and Lily, on the one hand, she talked about it like, oh, it's just like two girls exploring their friendship and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on the other, it's like she was like, oh, well, Lily does have like this male possessiveness towards Snowflower. And I think she did use like that wording. And I thought that that was a little like using that wording is a little like heteronormative because it's like you know it's not only men who can be possessive in relationships yeah but but maybe she i hope that she's just talking about how like back then men could like possess women but women couldn't possess men you know Mm, yeah but lily felt like she had the right to possess snowflower and then she even talked about how like i mean Lisa C even talked about how how she kind of compared the role of women then to like the role of women now. Like, oh yeah, now women aren't like stuck in, you know, the upstairs rooms and like they can become the CEO of a company, but they still come home every day and like cook dinner for their family and tuck their kids to bed and stuff. Yeah. And 
It's weird that, like, she said things like that in her author's note when, like, in the story, it even talks about how Snowflower's husband mourns the death of their child. Mm-hmm. And it, it talks about how, like, Lily has this realization that, oh, maybe men do grieve our children the same way that we do as mothers. Yeah. Or, like, when she even talked about how, oh, yeah, women aren't supposed to care about their daughters, but, like, I still cared about my daughter even though I tried not to so it's like on one hand I think like she was trying to like break that heteronormative quota where like well it's weird because she it's almost like she's challenging it in the book yeah but then outside of the book she's like sticking very firmly with like the yeah because when you read it you think that like Lily and Snowflower's relationship is like it's like more than just friendship right yeah but then when you read like her comments on it it does seem like she intended it to be more of like this super close friendship yeah i mean i think as like a story it doesn't work very well but on the other hand i do like how much i learned from it yeah like how it talks about all of the traditions and the rules that were followed and like the very strict way of doing things like weddings and funerals oh yeah i thought like because i always like kind of knew that like it was very structured Mm -hmm. but i'd never seen the extent to which it was done like with the matchmakers coming when they're very little Mm -hmm. to like even when they're Mm -hmm. going to like have their feet bound yeah i think that like i was really impressed with what lisa c did for her research like i'm reading like the deluxe uh, readers edition on kindle and like i learned so much like there were these little like tidbits about the yao people and then the taiping rebellion and then the typhoid fever and then the foot binding process because i think it added a lot to the story especially because like with the main characters being women they don't have that much of a chance to like actually get into the world and like yeah. explain things like their characters are extremely limited and i'd i'd recommend reading that version if you get the chance yeah so on that note the next book that we are going to be reading is called the descendants by koe koe hart hemmings and there's also a movie to this book and we'll be watching it and reviewing it too yeah so now you get to read the book and watch the movie yay see you on the next episode Thank you.